Yeah, I'll introduce you guys. So this is my awesome brother-in-law, RJ, and this is my bratty little sister, Ashley. Hey! I know a lot of you guys already know them, but, uh, you know, we, uh, we are really fortunate to be able to have a couple uh, who works with our youth ministry who has raised up a bunch of other couples who work with our youth ministry, and they all work extremely hard. And uh, so we like to throw them up here every once in a while. Some of you were in their youth ministry for a time, and I know you're grateful for the time that you had with them and uh, the development that took place. And uh, we're, we're lucky to have them and uh, so many people at the church who serve and work hard. And... Uh, Ashley's okay, I guess. RJ's pretty awesome, but you know, I'm just okay. kidding. But I'm going to pray for him, and then uh, I'll let you guys jump in. Uh, Father in heaven, thank you so much, God, for uh, CMU, God, for this weekend, um, for the lessons, uh, for uh, my sister and my brother-in-law, and just the opportunity to hear them today, God, to talk uh, from your scripture and uh, talk into our lives. God, help us to learn and grow from it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Appreciate that. Thank you. Um, you guys, uh, it's, it's funny standing up here and, you know, seeing everybody because Carrie, uh, you know, made a lot of sense when he says it's, we've been working with the, the youth minister here with the churches uh, for quite some time and uh, seeing some of you guys who have come through the ministry, uh, have, being married, uh, having children uh, makes us very proud and also makes us feel dated. <laughs> so, um, but what a better way. Uh, to be able to really understand. No, not I said me. Yeah, speak for yourself. <laughs> and also just, you know, uh, for more information and clarity, usually this is a men's and women's class. They really wanted me to keep an eye on what Ashley was saying in regards <laughs> to all this, so she put they put us together. Well, that's and, not uh, true. You know, just to make sure that everything goes smoothly, right? We'll, <laughs> see, how, we'll see how that goes. So I feel like, uh, hold on, why are... Why am I the brunt of everyone's jokes? Well, you're not. Carrie's no, no, funny. No, no, no. RJ's no, funny. No, 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 you're not the brunt of every joke. Okay. It's just we we cut up every once in a while. She gives it back to me. You guys, you guys know that Ashley. No. She she's not. She's about you know. If you know so what's good sweet. for you. Make you make your teeth rot, you know. Um, sexual immorality is what we are tasked to be able to talk with you guys about. Sexual immorality in today's culture. Man, let me tell you what, you know, working with the youth, working with people just in general, you can see every single day that we live in a culture that emphasizes sexual immorality, that emphasizes images, and you see it in movies, you see it in social media, you see it in ads, you see it in shows, all over the place. You, man, I, you cannot, you can't do anything hardly on an application on that little device that sits in your pocket everywhere you go and in your hands where you're not going to have some form of an image from culture that is pushing some kind of sexual connotation. It's not going to happen. You're going to face it every single day. So how in the world is a church and as people of the body of Christ to be able to combat that when it is so prevalent? And I think one major thing that's so important for us to know is that as disciples of Christ, we have to be equally strong and passionate and living a life that shows the opposite. If every single day that Satan is going to throw that at us, every single day we should be living in a way that tries to combat it. But so often... We sit back and we just let it roll. We just let it happen. And we just think at some point in time, man, I remember a day when you, back in the day, you hear all that. Well, back in the day was back in the day. Here we are now. What are we going to do right now to be able to change this? You know, the greatest pleasures that you get to experience in the world is within the confines of God's way. The greatest delights, the boundless delights of sex 
in the confines of marriage and in the confines of God's way is amazing. But it has to be done on his time. We often think, you know, uh, you, you look, at, look, at our, look at our country. We don't know when life begins, right? We don't know, when, you know, when are you going to really call that, that baby a baby in the womb? When are you going to do that? We don't even know when life begins. We don't even know what marriage means. We don't even, we can't even define sex. But culture is pushing us in that direction. And if you think that not every single day you're going to battle it and you're going to be fed some kind of theology or some kind of understanding of what sex really should mean at the root of who we are intrinsically with God, you're sadly mistaken. Yeah, I think um, one point that RJ is making that is really good is that, you know, sex wasn't meant to be a dirty word. It's not the way that God intended that to be, and that's what we kind of want to get into and talk to you guys about. On one end, you know, culture has, like, recklessly, like RJ is saying, recklessly screams it, and on the other end, the church has hushed it, you know, to a degree where that's just not the area you want to talk about too much. That's not the subject to go into too much other than our, you know, probably extremely judgmental forms of um, when we see it, we address it. But leading up to those things, you know, how it can be great, how it God intended it to be, all those things kind of get missed, they get hushed. Um, with that being said, I just want to read some uh, culture quotes on sexuality. Um, this one says, to me, sex is power. It's empowering when you do it because you want to do it. That's from our friend Rihanna. Uh, this one, if sex is off the table, like on a date, and you're like, let's try and get to know each other. I would highly recommend drinking. Highly. Anna Kendrick. This one's a little different. Maybe our generation is more about sex, but it feels like romance is dying out. Orlando Bloom. You know, I kind of liked him for a reason. Um, this is from Ellen DeGeneres. I just feel like every kid is growing up too fast and they're seeing too much. Everything is about sex. And that's fine for me. I'm not saying I don't like it, but I don't think it should be everywhere where kids are exposed to everything sexual because they have to have some innocence. There's just no innocence left. And this taken from an article called Eight Moments in Pop Culture, when women asserted their sexuality and owned their stories. It's taglined, and this should be enough, but I'll continue to read. It's taglined, in a year when women's rights were threatened, women in entertainment reclaimed their power and their voices. And this is the quote that they say to back this up. It's refreshing and important to see women reclaiming their power in the music, television, and film industries, where themes of equality, choice, consent, pleasure, and accountability thrive. I don't know what accountability they're talking about. That's neither here nor there. They go on to say this year, songs like WAP, if you know, you know. Shows like Wings and Pizza. Right? <laughs> pizza. Yep, yeah, gave you a whole new view of that, didn't we? Songs like WAP, shows like I May Destroy You, and films like Never Rarely Sometimes always have provided radical socio-political commentary, forcing people to listen, watch, and make necessary changes. This year, pleasure won over politeness. That's crazy. That's a broad scale of different, even like quotes and ideas from amongst our, even our culture, right? So while pop, pop culture takes, you know, isn't even clear, or consistent, there are a couple things that are clear. And one thing that I want to make very clear to you is, 
there's a battle going on within our world. Now, I know that this has been talked about over and over and over and over again. Believe me, I'm aware. I've, as I've th sat through classes, I'm like, they're not going to want to hear this because they're hearing it now. But I believe and I'm conceding to the, to the notion and to the idea that if you're hearing it over and over and over and over again, perhaps God really, really wants you to hear it over and over and over again. There is a battle going on. And it's been going on for a really long time. And, all, and as always, who's behind it? Satan. He's behind it all. In 1 Peter 5, 8, I remember reading this as a kid, and I would have this fear within me when I read it. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls a lot around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. As a kid, I remember picturing that and feeling so unsafe. You know what I mean? Like that fear and this, this depiction of, of the devil and of Satan and what that looks like. He's seeking to devour me. And I had very little, a very little grasp at a young age of what that devouring looked like or could look like. But I see it heavily as I've grown, and I've seen it in the form of spiritual morality. And like I said before, it's nothing new. You know, RJ hit on the fact older people like to say, oh, well, the world is... Going to hell in a handbag. It's never been like this. It's never been that bad. Ha! Huh, that's funny. Also, kind of funny because the ones who are saying it kind of are like the ones who raised this generation. Right? But look at Greek. Look at Rome. Look at the hippies. I mean, good grief. You really want to go down that road and say it's never been this bad, man? They were... Anything goes. Just as long as, you know, it's peace and love. 80s kids, you're out there singing like a virgin, right? Along, I mean, and that's, that's just one of many that I could have picked. But 90s were not so good either because we were talking about red light specials, if you know what I'm saying, little TLC. And then we lead up to today's songs like WAP. So on and so on and so on. But it even goes further back than that, doesn't it? It goes back to the Old Testament, Right? As far back as, I mean, if you look in Genesis 18, when Sodom and Gomorrah is destroyed, why? What was one of the main reasons? Sexual immorality. Satan has always schemed to use sexual immorality to destroy the world, and he has done a very good job at it. The war between God's ways and the, world, and the world's ways and all things sexuals has been waged for years. And though it's changed from country to country, maybe, you know, the way that we proclaim it or live it from decade to decade, aside from the once perfection of Eden, it's been present because Satan is very, very, very much alive and you better wake up to that fact. It's not a game. He's not playing. He seeks to hurt you. He seeks to devour you. And in young people, more often than not, he uses sexual morality to rope you in and destroy you. And we have seen it over and over again in our some 18 years of youth ministry as I watch and I plead with kids not to go down that road. And we're going to talk about what that road looks like. And in so much arrogance, they go, hmm, I can handle it. Until they're so far from God. They have a hard time finding him. But the good news is, while that battle is very clear, you guys, the good news is something else is very clear. And it's that God knows. And he's here. God is not a punk. He knows what's going on. 
So as a kid, when I would hear Satan's out to devour and destroy me, and I would kind of shriek in fear, I would see other verses about about God being near and, and knowing every hair on my head. And I was filled with the confidence that while this creepy jerk of a being is trying to destroy me, I have a God that can take him. There's no contest. But we have become a culture that has acted as if he cannot. We don't care. And so we want to talk about and give some instructions and in how we can fight this battle against culture and that's kind of what we want to deal with today. Man, men, get you a woman that can <laughs> share the word of God. Um, you know, and I, I say that in, you know, with a chuckle behind it. But that is the God's honest truth. You men, be a man that, that deserves a woman that fears the Lord three reasons why we have to learn to cancel cultural's view on sexual immorality. The first thing that we want to talk with you and share with you is it differs from what Christ says. Bottom line, guys, man, it differs from what, what Christ says. Everything that, that culture is telling us about sex and the, the morality of it or the immorality of it is completely opposite to what God would say. Um, when you guys, if you guys have made the commitment to become a disciple of Christ and you've surrendered your life through baptism and you died to your old self, you said at that moment that he is your Lord. You said that. You committed to his words. You said that you were going to put, you were going to put yourself to the side and you're going to live solely for him. And I'm telling you time and time again throughout scripture, you find out that he says sexual immorality and the indulgent, the indulgent pleasures within it is always going to lead to destruction. Always. And we find that whenever we break down the passage in 1 Corinthians, which we've been looking at, guys. So I'm going to read through it fairly quickly, and I want to do a little bit of compare and contrast here within that passage. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 6. I'm sorry, chapter 6, starting in verse 9. It says, Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually or immoral or idolaters or adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. Let that sink in, church. That is what some of us were. Lost where am I? But you were washed. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. I have, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything, you say. Food for the stomach and stomach for the food, but God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh, but whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their entire body. 
Do you not know that your bodies are, temp are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you whom you've received from God? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God. With your bodies. With your bodies. Now let's do a little compare and contrast here. A couple things I want to point out in this passage. You know, when you look through this passage, and when you think about what culture would say, I think culture would say, well, it's about my rights. It's about my rights. But God would say, it's about what is right. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, what we just read in the message paraphrase says this, just because something is technically legal doesn't mean that it's spiritually appropriate. If I went around doing whatever I thought I could get away with, I'd be a slave to my whims. If we went with that mentality that just because it's my right to be able to touch this girl here or have her touch me there or have this guy do this for me, if you went on the whims of your desires and your pleasures, you'd be sucked into all kinds of immoral acts where, where God would have to turn his back from you. But when you made that commitment to surrender your life to Christ, you also surrendered all of those desires and you have to choose to remember to do what is right, not just abide by what you think your rights are. Another thing in that passage, comparing and contrast, culture I think would say, it's my body I can do what I want. It's my right. But God would say, well really, it's God's body. It's to be used for right. Verse 13 says this, you know the old saying, this is message paraphrase, you know the old saying, uh, first you eat to live and then you live to eat. Well, it may be true that the body is only temporary thing, but not, but that's no excuse for stuffing your body with food or indulging it with sex. Since the master honors you with the body, honor him with your body. So when you indulge yourself in those sexual immoral thoughts and those activities and, the, and you pursue that, you know, like Mackie was talking about last night, you know, when you, you see that girl or you see that guy and uh, you just observe their beauty. That's different than turning back down the aisle and observing it for a little bit longer. But everything that you do with your body, everything that you say, every moment, every action that you perform should be to honor God. But when you indulge yourself in the pleasures of sexual immorality, you are literally sinning against yourself. You're sinning against the body of Christ to where the Holy Spirit indwells. And it is dangerous. Dangerous as dangerous could be. Man, culture emphasizes the exteriors, but God emphasizes the interiors. And we were talking about that already, right? Look at Samuel. Samuel says this, 1 Samuel 16 says, But God said, Samuel, looks aren't everything. Don't be impressed with his looks and stature. I've already eliminated him. God judges persons differently than humans do. Men and women look at the face. God looks at the heart. Good thing for me, right? You know, when I met Ashley, I'm glad that she noticed, hopefully, uh, a redeemed heart. Rather than just... Dashing smile. <laughs> yeah. You know, for those of you guys who don't know me that well, I was... Stop. I like to think I was a little better looking back then. Stop. But, you know, things change. That's the point that I'm making, right? <laughs> what I'm saying is, I was fortunate. I don't know how God made but nothing has changed. It's just extreme beauty that has <laughs> followed and progressed with her. Unfortunately for me, Stop. things have changed. God recognizes your hearts. God recognizes your hearts. In men and women, we always tend to focus on the exterior is that bad to notice the exterior not at all but if that's the thing that solidifies you and staying connected with that person 
you're in for a rude awakening. Sex is about right now, culture would say, but really God would say sex involves the eternal. In, in uh, chapter 6, verse 9 through 12, um, it says, Surely you know that the wicked will not possess God's kingdom. Do not fool yourselves. People who are moral, da-da-da-da, will not possess the kingdom of God and inherit it. It is a sin worth aggressively watching after and making sure that you get a grip on. And it is everywhere. I think the second thing, um, second reason to cancel cultural's view of sexuality is it is dangerous to those who participate in it. So first, it's, it's dangerous in this life, the life that we're living on this side of heaven. The dangers of indulging yourself in sexual immorality or letting your ministry believe culture's lies are insurmountable. They're a danger to you. They're a danger to the world around you. And we don't have to look very far or Google much to see how that looks within our world, within our culture. You know, there are over 800,000 abortions in the United States per year. Now, listen, if you have had an abortion, we have a ministry for women who have been there because we love you. And God can redeem so much, which I'm going to talk about later. Some of the bravest women I know. But it was not within God's design that these things happened, that sexual immorality took hold in any type of form so that a baby's life would be lost before it had the chance to really live. Over 800,000 abortions a year. I'm a mom. When I look into my kids' eyes, I knew they were meant to be alive in here. It's not, it, it shouldn't be so calloused. But it's become calloused in our society, like, eh, not really alive. Why? Because sexual immorality and Satan's scheme has taken foothold and made us view things that are so devastating in a way that's just normal, right? Um, it's also, you know, it shows up in gender confusion. And I know we've had classes on that and different things. Do you know, though, that gender-confused or transgender youth are at a higher risk of mental illness, depression? A, a transgender child is, if you're comparing, 50% chance of, 50.6 to be exact, chance of uh, depression and mental illness compared to 20.6 for kids who don't struggle with that. Um, also, when you look within that, su the suicide rate of them, 17% versus 6.1. There's a normalcy of divorce in our country, 50%. You have a 50% chance, a you got half the chance of staying married once you got hitched. Broken relationships and the effects it has after divorce, you know, th these things, they pile up, right? And we see it in scripture too. I mean, I can Google these things and see the the devastation that happens within our world today. But also, if you look back in scripture, there it is. I mean, you look at King David, a man after God's own heart. What was one of the greatest downfalls of his, of his life? Is he got caught up in sexual morality and he lost his baby. And not only did he lose his baby, it affected his, his other children and his, and his family for generations to come. And even his son Solomon, who started out really well, gets caught up in all types of sexual immorality and pleasing the flesh. And he writes an entire 
book basically saying, I tried this, I tried this, I tried this, I tried this, and I tried this, and life ends pretty meaningless that way. It's, it's devastating. It's devastating. It's dangerous in this life. So what are some specific ways that the world has damaged God's intention for sexual activity? And there is a lot. And so we're going to try and try to talk breeze through, through them, these. Right? But we want you to so, be able to identify them. Um, one way that I think, you know, that Ashley's pointing out here. You cut me off. Well, you were pretty I'm much kidding. done, weren't you? I mean, yeah. I'm just I'm kidding. She just said in one breath that uh, we're going to try to breeze through this. I try to get breezing through this and I get reprimanded. <laughs> That's all right. I hear what you're saying. I, I, no, I understand what's right. going on here. One way the culture attacks us is through pornography. Most children are exposed to pornography by the age of 11. It's astounding. And many of them hooked by the age 12. The long-term effects are not at all worth the short-time thrill, believe me, from someone who has struggled with that for many years of their life, of my life. Um, it is a battle that you wish that you could just take an eraser, you know? Satan does a good job at seducing you into thinking that you need it and that there's value to it. I read a statistic this last week. It says 60% of Christian men engage in porn. 60% of Christian men, not men, Christian men. 50% of preachers have engaged in pornography within the past six months. The church does a good job of complaining about the world has, what, what the world does wrong. And sometimes we forget that the issues and the things that could be best changed starts within our homes. And that little device that you have, that's what I'm telling you guys, and I, you know, my guys are, I'm hard on them, you know, about monitoring your time behind that screen. You parents monitoring your kids' time behind those devices. And I'm not just talking about the phone where you can get online and you can actually look up pornography. We're not, I'm not just talking about the pornography to where you're actually watching people having sex. I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about the images that come along with it that you find on TikTok and Instagram. And you see it on Snapchat and you see it on all the different things. I mean, things that, I mean, I don't have, I, I, I try to restrict myself from that because no matter, it seems like no matter how hard you try or how desperately you want to try to stay away from it, culture is right there knocking on your door. So what do you do? Do you run from it? No, but you got to learn to fill yourself with something else so that whenever those moments occur, that you choose Jesus instead. And you do that through your executive functions. Your executive functions in your mind is what helps you to determine that right and wrong and then to choose right. Your executive functions is what you do whenever you learn scripture and you fill your heart and you fill your mind with the word of God so that those choices become also right with God rather than falling into the temptation. It affects your mind. It affects your heart. It affects everything horribly bad. Um, oh, okay. He's changing the lesson while we're doing it. Okay. Um. <laughs> The other, I think the other thing, way it shows up is through sexual abuse. 
This is very, very clear, right? You know, Satan's dirty tactics at some point twisted someone so terribly that they looked at a young boy of the same bloodline and decided to mess with him sexually. That was my dad. And I know he gets up here and says it every week, you know, and we're all used to it, you know, but what you probably don't see is the embarrassment every time he has to say it. What you probably didn't get to see was that I had a dad that was very good, is very good, and was very protective, and would never did I have to question, you know, any boundaries being crossed. And yet he had to struggle at a certain age to not want my brother and I to sit on his lap. And I remember, like, being a kid and at one point, innocently, going and plopping down on my dad's, you know, on my dad's lap. And I remember, maybe for the first time, maybe I caught it, you know, or just, it, it seemed different because I remember him kind of picking me up and shifting me over on his leg. You know what I mean? Like, further up on his leg. Because he didn't want to make me ever to feel like he was made to feel. And he, the effects that sexual morality in our culture has had through abuse is astounding. And while I'm so grateful I have a father who God redeemed, you know, and was able to work through those things and use them for his glory and his benefit, many people don't come out on the other side of that. That's more normal within the church here in the body than it is in general. More than one in four adolescents will be sexually abused. In 2019, 652,000, over 652,000 women were raped. This number has been rising the last decade at an annual rate of 2.9% per year, and the trend show, shows no signs of decrease. 79% experienced this before the age of 25. That's your campuses, guys. Experiencing the effects all within them of sexual immorality because someone has twisted it even further and further and further. An American is raped every 93 seconds. See, we look at that and we're like, oh my gosh, ne like this is crazy, never. But you know, when you toe the line on sin, anything and everything becomes an option. Anything and everything. And the things that we go, that's disgusting. No way. Satan's like, huh, you wait and see. Give me a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, and I'll have you so confused and hurting people so recklessly that you won't even know who you were or how you got there. You don't play with him. It's devastating. It also has shown up through promiscuity and premarital sex. What you guys like to call it is the hookup culture. Right? You guys aware of that, the hookup culture? You just kind of go out, it's very casual, you meet someone for the purpose of sex, you are on Tinder, you're whatever. The whole goal is just to have sex, but casually, and you kind of move on. There's no relational ties, there's nothing like that. Those have had their consequences too. The Rhode Island Department of Health released data indicating the infection rates of HIV, syphilis, and others are increasing, largely due to high-risk behaviors like using social media to arrange casual or anonymous sexual encounters. The Kinsey Institute notes that one of the five factors that predict infidelity in a relationship is having had a high number of prior sex partners. Studies show that infidelity is a 
horrible experience for married couples and has been rated by therapists as the most damaging and difficult issue to treat in couples therapy. So you go, oh, I'm just, you know, it's just a hookup. I'm just having, you know, like whatever. I'll, I'll settle down and get married one day. You will settle down, or, you know, if that's your goal, hopefully you will. You'll settle down one day and you'll get married. But what you don't expect, this is where Satan gets, even, you know, crafty in our culture, is that you're going to take everything prior with you right into that marriage and you've got to answer to that person that you've devoted yourself to. And it, will, it does affect and, I'm gonna, and I, I will get around, I promise, to God's redemption. I promise you I will. But also, I don't want to cover up, you know what I'm saying, the effects that sin has because I don't want to offend, even within the body. Does that make sense? And so we will get around to that, but I do want you to get this, this picture, and I want you to get it very clear. As a culture, we're glorifying the hookup culture, premarital sex, in the present moment, how will we view sexual intimacy in the future? Hooking up is destroying how we look at intimacy, you guys. And it will be detrimental to our present, and it will be detrimental to our future. I was riding in the vehicle with one of my friends the other day, and we were traveling somewhere, and he had his phone hooked up to his, uh, his truck. And, you know, Apple CarPlay, you know, you can see all your messages right there on the screen, right? So, like, text messages that pop up, yada, yada. Um, so I'm sitting there, we're driving along, and text message, ding, look up on his dash or whatever, you know, and it, and it says, uh, Rebecca, T-N-D-R, Tinder. And then another ding, uh, you know, Barbara, Tinder. And another ding, it's like all these, I just, I don't actually come up with a name, okay, all right? Hey, okay. if you're a Barbara in here, you don't mind her. <laughs> That's a beautiful name. It is a beautiful name. It's just a very random name for you to say right now. I'm picturing, like, Barbara uh, Bush. Okay. <laughs> hey, Barbara in here, don't mind your beautiful name, okay? Again, we're breathing so, through this. My, so I'm watching. I'm, I'm literally, it's like these, these text messages are flying, you know, and all of them are like first name Tinder, first name Tinder, first name Tinder. I'm like, holy crap. Like... I'm like sitting there, I'm like, awkward, like this is weird. And you wonder why, he, he's, he's divorced twice, he lives alone, he just broke up with his girlfriend, I mean, you know, he's in his, you know, mid-50s, and that's just how his life is. It's just, is that the best that, that God wants us to have? By no means, but culture would say otherwise. You know, and I think Paul was onto something here. In Romans chapter 7, it says, it was sin that used this command as a way of making me, uh, making me have all kinds of desires. But without the law, sin is dead. Before I knew about the law, I was alive. But as soon as I heard that command, sin came to life and I died. The very command that was supposed to bring me life was supposed to bring life to me instead brought death. Sin used this command to trick me. And because of it, I died. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am merely a human. And I've been sold as a slave to sin. In fact, I don't understand why I act the way I do. I don't do what, what is right. I do the things I hate. You know, Paul's on it. Man, if you don't relate to that when it comes to sexual immorality, I don't know what you relate to. You so desperately sometimes want to avoid the things that are going to get you into so much sexual trouble and so much sexual sin, and you, you do it. Why is that? Because that sexual immorality and that sin, it cheapens you, it enslaves you, it confuses you, it controls you, it brings you death. 
Sexual immorality is dangerous in this life. In this life that you are living right now, it is dangerous. It's also... I want to say something. Well, okay. You just go ahead. Like I said, we're just <laughs> adding stuff. G.K. <laughs> Chesterton says, meaningless doesn't come from being weary of pain. It comes from being weary of pleasure. I wonder if we've become so indulged in the pleasures of this world that we have become the loneliest ever. Man. No one is more fed up with life than the one who has exhausted all of those sexual pleasures. Some of the loneliest people in the world are the ones that experienced what they thought was going to give them the ultimate fulfillment and they were found wanting. Do you hear what I said? Some of the loneliest people in the world are the ones who finally get to experience that that they thought would give them the ultimate fulfillment and they were found wanting. What are you chasing after? If you're chasing after sex outside of God's confines, you're always going to find yourself lonely. Is it my turn? Yeah? You done? Okay. It is now. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, it's also dangerous in eternity. Ephesians 5, 3 and 5 says, Let there no be sex... Let there... Let me try that again. Let there not be sexual morality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. It's pretty plain and simply put. See, people can tell you guys that it's okay. Culture can continue that lie. And they will. Because they've been doing it forever like we talked about. But listen, we will answer to Christ in the end. That time is coming. So with all the lies, with all the stuff that they're throwing at you that says, it's cool, it's whatever, hook up, do what you want, live your best life, it's your body, your choice, all those things, they can feed you those lies. But there is a one true God, and you will, you will answer to him. And culture's opinion, listen to me very carefully, culture's opinion will not matter on that day. It, it, it gets no say, it has no voice. It's not just about right now while it can devastate your life now you guys you have an eternity to keep in mind and not just for yourself but for the people who see us that aren't who don't know the goodness of god we are to be that example of purity so that they're drawn into something different um i asked his permission to kind of share the story but my son malachi is um he's gracious enough to let me I said, you're lucky I even asked, because my dad was a thug, and he did not ask about anything. So, um, he is 14. He's going to be 15 soon. So, you know, there's that. Um, and I noticed lately, like, when different people would kind of, like, ask Malachi just in passing. He's probably, is he, is he ducking down somewhere? <laughs> yeah. um, like, hey, like, so what about this girl? Do you like this girl? You know, or whatever. He'd be like, no, I don't. <laughs> he gets super, how many of you guys have felt, like, felt personally victimized by Malachi Katazan when you asked that question? <laughs> yeah? <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Me too. You don't even go here. You don't even go here. <laughs> um, so, so I've, like, noticed this defensiveness whenever this question comes up. And so I'm just, like, I'm watching. So I kind of pull him aside and at a movie theater of all places. And I'm like, so like, why do you respond like that? 
You know, like they're just, it's innocent. They're just asking who you like. They're whatever. And he's a little hesitant. You know, he's, I don't know. I don't know. And I was like, yeah, that doesn't work. Like, but why? You know, and I've done that to many of you guys too. But why? Um, And so he kind of gets serious and he looks at me. He was like, I don't know, mom. He was like, honestly, like, I know I can struggle. You know, like thinking of like, like sexual things like I can struggle with that and he said and I'm just like I'm terrified I'm scared to even think of having a girlfriend and being in a relationship if I if I struggle outside of that like I I just don't want to mess up I just don't want to mess up like everybody else and I was like first of all oh you keep that until you're 50 you know, um, that, that's what I wanted to say, to be honest. Um, because I was very proud, honestly, I was very proud. And, and like, my, don't get me wrong, Malachi is not perfect. We knock heads. But this moment, man, he, he shined bright, you know. And I got to talk to him, you know, and kind of like have the like, hey, but also that's never fully going to go away, <laughs> you know. So God is bigger. We can deal with these things. You can, you know, whatever, that whole thing. But the thing that that caught me the most was that there was an innocence in that response, right? There was an innocence in my my child. Um, And I think as we grow older, like in our arrogance, we lose sight of that childlike faith. You know, I mean, how many of you guys remember being little thinking, ew, gross. (laughs) No, never. You know, or whatever. And then we hit this age where all of a sudden it's like, we've lost lost that piece of us, that, that healthy that healthy fear of our father you know and culture and sin replaces it with a fear of losing out you know or replace they replace it with the desire to feel good now and it's so short-sighted and it's so temporary proverbs 10:27 says the fear of the lord is a fountain of youth that one may avoid the snares of death as it's, it's not worth it We will answer to him when it comes down to eternity. We have a responsibility to the world around us, to the kids that look up to you, like my son. You know, what kind of made me a little sad, if I'm, I'm being honest, I'm not saying there's no one out there like this, but it made me a little sad that, like, his first thought was, like, more people just can't handle it and give in to sin than he had in his mind the people that have conquered it through their faith in Christ. Does that make sense? That, that, that hit a little bit. And it, and it kind of hurt. And, and I get it. It's hard to focus on eternity when you're 20 years old. <laughs> I, we, I was there. I, I remember that feeling. Um, but like I said, it's not, something, it's not something to give into. There's too much at stake. Now, to the redemption, right? Sexual sin is all around us. Sexual immorality is all around us. Culture is screaming, it doesn't matter. It'll be okay. But God is saying, man, it is not okay. And you've got to watch out for it. So if we can learn, third thing we want you guys to just write down or know and remember is, man, if you can reject the way culture's view is on sexual immorality, you can be transformed. And you can get to experience something that is far better and amazing. Ways that you can do that is one, you think, I think, be cautious of what you fill your minds with. You know, you're young. 
You got many years ahead of you. Be cautious of what you spend your time doing and what you fill your mind with. Watch out for the movies that you watch. Be cautious of the language you listen to, the songs you listen to. Be careful what you laugh at. Right? There's, there's a sense of, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying, I, I watch movies that I probably shouldn't watch that has a lot of cussing in it, a lot of violence and various different things. But at some point in time, when you look at those, are you just so calloused with the things that you see and hardened to the fact that it's just the norm? And I wonder if God would be saying, man, be careful and close your eyes. Be careful what you're filling your mind with. Let me ask you this, young people, can I, can I see your phone right now? It's real quiet. <laughs> let, me, let me see your phone right now. I want to look at your histories. I want to look at, I want to look at your feeds. I want, to look at your, I want to look at your text messages. I want to look fine, try to track down all those little secret apps that many of you it. know about. <laughs> everybody's like, everybody's got like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> deleting everything, man. I'm like, block this. Reset. Reset factory, the software. Reset. Man, okay. Factory reset. <laughs> <laughs> factory, man. I'm, oh my gosh. Master Shua? I think I, I... You busted your shoe? Yeah, I think I did. Huh. All I'm saying is, man, you guys got to be careful what you put inside of your minds. This passage of scripture talks about that, you know. Man, once you've lost it in your mind, it's already got a hold of you. God knew something about that. The longest distance to travel is from your heart to your mind, and making sure that that connection is in sync with the Lord is so important. Just be careful what you put in. Garbage in, garbage out. Uh, I think also watch your clothes. You kids call that your drip? Is that what you call it? <laughs> drip? All right, we're going to have to rush through this. Oh, uh, yeah, okay, but I'm sorry. I know I have a little bit of time. I'm going to hit on this, though. So, modesty. Ugh. Oh, yeah, I'm sick of saying it, too. Uh, I was say, my grandpa was a fisherman. Weird, I'm talking about my grandpa and modesty because he wore, like, full flannels and overalls. So it has nothing to do with that. But he was a fisherman, like a legitimate one. Like, my grandpa's better than your grandpa. Um, yeah, I said it. <laughs> I'm kidding, kind of. But here's the thing. He knew when he went to different places, different ponds, different areas, he knew what bait to use to catch, you know, what type of fish, right? What would attract them, the different colors of bait, you know, do you use a cricket here in this pond, do you use like something brighter? He, he knew all those things. What's this got to do with sexual morality modesty, fish modesty? Um, you aren't dressing a fishing line, but you know what you're doing. You know how to bait your body to get a bite, don't you? And shame on the dumb fish for biting at it, but man, it's hard when you make it so appetizing. Am I wrong? I mean, and I'm trying to say this with as much grace as possible because I was young and I remember like, I liked to have the head turns, <laughs> you know? I, it made me, feel, made me feel good. But you guys, you got God using his word and his people and they're going, no girl, you got the wrong bait. You ain't gonna hook the right kind of fish. You're, you're wearing the wrong stuff. You literally have people, and guys, you aren't exempt, but you guys have people constantly telling you, stop wearing that stuff. Why are you still wearing crop tops to church? Why? And some of you, honestly, it's like, oh, this is all, like, you hear me, 
You hear me until you're not with me, though, right? Because it's okay if it's on the beach. And it's okay if it's at the party or this and that. Like, you hear me in the sanctuary, some of you not even there. And I'm tired of saying it. It's as exhausting for me as it is for you to hear it. But it is very, very, very important because what you are enticing someone with your body sexually. You know what you're doing. I mean, really? Like, is it really about self-empowerment for you? Is it really that it's more comfortable? Is it really about the tan lines? Your freedom? Or is it, let's be honest, or is it about you grasping at anything you can to fulfill your deep-rooted need to be noticed because you refuse to take real notice of the only one who ever truly noticed you? The only one that can ever truly fulfill you. Is that really why, if you want to be honest with yourself, that you can walk out those doors time and time again and not let it sink in? Are you so much better than the call he put on you? with your clothing line. And I love good fashion, don't get me wrong. You already know, Amazon boxes are probably on my front step right now. And if it's not Amazon, it's Sheen. I'm telling you. It's Sheen. Yes. 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 Wow, tired of the internet, man. Yes. Tired of this. Yes, I, lo I love it. But you can do it right. You can do it right. In 1 Timothy 2, and 2, 9 through 10, I'm not going to read it, but the concept of women and modesty is brought up, and he gives some specific things. But really the bottom line that Paul is getting at with these ladies is you've got a motive and a heart problem. And it shows up in what you're wearing. I'm not trying to be the modesty police. I hate it. But I think that that role would lessen for me if you all would just be honest. Nothing wrong with being trendy. The problem occurs with your heart and your motive. And it occurs when you toe that line and reject the wisdom of Christ and his advisors the minute you step outside. So ask yourself, and ask it honestly, please. Are your clothes drawing attention to you and your agenda? Your agenda? Your desire? Or is it pointing people towards Christ? There has to be a larger emphasis on internal than external. And we really got to fly. I'm very sorry. Another thing we want to point out to you is, man, put yourself in, don't put yourself in vulnerable, <laughs> vulnerable situations. I mean, have some boundaries. Um, and in doing so, you need to be humble with that, right? People are going to see some things within you. I remember dating Ashley whenever we, whenever, you know, many moons ago, dating Ashley. Again, and we lived the in jokes. the, we, <laughs> we, uh, you know, we lived in a house. I lived in a house with a couple of my buddies. Juan is over there. Um, <laughs> live with him. And for some reason or another, Ashley and I ended up talking <laughs> in, um, in Juan's bedroom. <clears throat> I don't even remember. Was the door shut? Door open? I don't even know. The door was shut. It started open. It's, it started yeah, open. Uh, I, and then it ended up <laughs> shut. Well, anyway, we were sitting on, the, on his bed, and we were kissing. We were making out. Were we making out? Yeah, it, was, yeah, it was kind of, it, it was something that we shouldn't have been doing. Sorry, we shouldn't have been in that situation. Okay, so Juan, being my good buddy, uh, like was, was like, you know, he was, 
he was creeping on me trying to figure out what was going on. Where is RJ at? Like, man, I'm telling you, if he's in my bed, man, if he, and Juan, Juan was, Juan said he went outside to, to the window of his room, to the window of his room, looking over it like this. Trying to look in and see what we were doing. And he challenged me. He challenged me on it the, that that evening when Ash when Ash the, you know, we, Ashley day. left or whatever. I, man, Juan pulled me in like that. I had my, put myself. We put ourselves in a vulnerable position where something unnecessarily sexual could have very easily happened. Well, you got to guard yourself from that. If you're dating somebody that is even that that's outside of the church, or you know, we need to have a conversation about. But if you're dating somebody within the church and you have um, you put yourself in vulnerable situations. It's easy to slip up when it comes to sex. I'm gonna. We got like we're supposed to be done. So, <laughs> um, breaking my thought of. I'm sorry. Don't put yourself in bad situations. Hey, <laughs> let me ask you this. Let me let me let me ask you this. You know, out out you're out late at night or whatever. I know that you guys you guys are young. You're hanging out late at night. There ain't nothing necessarily wrong with that. How late do you need to be out? You understand what I'm saying? Oh, no. Like, how late is too late? Don't, don't you know it. what happens? You know what grandma Grandma told me? Just let them say it. Let them say it. Grandma told me. Let them say it. You, you, tell, you, tell, you tell us. You tell us. It's midnight, except there ain't nothing open past midnight except legs and liquor stores. What are you doing out so late? What are you involving yourself with so late? That's our teenagers. But hey, but I'm gonna tell you, that's that's the that's the truth. Okay, so hey, all right, here we go. So don't put yourself in vulnerable situations. Hey, and I'll tell you another thing too is like you don't have to put yourself in a vulnerable situation by being out with people past midnight. What are you doing on your phone past midnight? Right, dabbling in something you shouldn't be dabbling in. Another thing that's important is man, pray and read, pray and read. Read the Bible and read other good books. Read the Word of God. Let it get into your heart. Talk with your Father in Heaven. Get to know Him more than just somebody that you know about. That you, you, you There's so much. There's so many amazing things to recognize and to realize and to experience with your Father in Heaven. And you can only find that in quiet times alone with Him and in His Word. The most amazing pleasures that you can ever experience in this life is whenever you get to experience the goodness and the greatness of God. The greatest pleasures. Um, um, I'm going to cut uh, you off. Go ahead. I got something good that I want no. to say, but is it? Uh, okay. So also, you need to trust his design. Um, what does his design look like? It's choosing based on his standards, not yours. Uh, part of this design means that you pick someone that is Christ-centered. So if God is love and we are a reflection of him, we are at our very best, right? Someone striving to be like Christ could not, listen, could not love you any better. If the person you choose to connect with does not care to be like Christ, he or she will never be able to fully love you the way that God designed to love you and the way that you desire even on a sexual level. So do you hear where I'm going with that? You need to pick someone who loves the Lord first. That is the best kind of love that you're going to be able to experience and the best type of intimacy that you're going to experience. It helps safeguard you 
from all these other things that culture is telling you. Um, what else does this design look like? It looks beautiful, you guys, honestly. Ephesians 5.25 um, talks about to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her, her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. He goes on to talk about husbands. You should love your wife. She should be put first. And vice versa, you should become one flesh. I mean, these are like are the best lyrics you're going to find. Good luck finding that, you know, in your culture today. It's intimate. It's holy, but like it's hot. Sorry, I know my kids are in here and they're probably gagging. But it, but it really is. Um, you guys, to be able to stand, um, you know, and yeah, we had our moment. We definitely had our moments, but... <laughs> <laughs> but to be able to to be able to ex- experience intimacy in a pure and holy way, there is nothing, there is nothing quite like it. To be ner- nervous but confident on your wedding night, you know, and to and to experience that and to have that, and it's nothing like the world is going to offer you, and you are only going to find it within the confines of a man or a woman who loves Christ first and and most. I'll kind of just leave that at that because. <laughs> Thanks. My turn. We gotta go. Um, another thing: be open when you fail. Repent. <laughs> That's all we gotta say. Okay. Acts chapter three, verse nineteen says, "Repent and, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord." Man, you want to feel the the most forgiveness that you can ever feel is whenever you confess those sins to the Lord and you get to have that sin washed away turned white again but you got to talk about it you mess up sexually you got to talk about it culture is going to get you to a point where you're going to think you need to be silent you need to be ashamed you can fix it on your own that's what it's going to tell you that's what people are going to say that's what Satan's going to feed you but you got to know that your Lord wants you to discuss and have the problems fixed and healed with his people and through him my last point, I promise. And it's your fault. Don't forget, everything about this lesson is your that. fault. So, last thing, it's Carrie. Okay, um, remember your creator bought you at a price. Last thing that I want you to keep in mind. Um, Ecclesiastes 12.1 says, don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. There's a reason he calls out the youth there, because sometimes you guys are dumb. You just get excited, and you do dumb stuff. I mean, how many of you older people are going, yep, I remember that. It was really stupid. I wish I could take that one back. Um, but when we read 1 Corinthians 6.20, what does he end with and conclude with? You were bought at a price. You guys, he paid a high price for you to not be controlled by sexual sin. And it's not worth the lesson version of all he had designed. His sacrifice has to mean something. When you are tempted to click on that link to listen to that music that you know gets you in the wrong mindset, when she looks too good or he looks too good not to touch, let me ask you, can you picture the cross? Do you think that helped? I mean, could, if you, not just picture, but really. Could you look at, could you look at God and at Christ and all the pain and all the torment and go, yeah, no, like, thanks, but I'm good. <laughs> I'm going to go down this road no matter what. Or can you look at the cross and be like, for me? You did that for me? Okay. This ain't worth it. Because surely it's not. That he, that he gave his blood and his body for you to be redeemed, it's surely it's not worth it to throw it away or spit in his face. You guys have to, you have to visualize the cross. You need to remember those things. And here's the re- really redemptive part I promise you I get around to. 
Some of you guys are thinking, I'm past this point. I've done too much. You're wrong. You are very, very, very wrong, and I'm so happy I can say that to you. And I want you guys to remember that you are forgiven. When you became a disciple, God's grace has covered you, and we are imperfect, and he knew it, and he longs. He's not a God that wants to, wants to bring torment. He wants to forgive and bring about redemption. And you don't have to be defined by what you were. And no matter who you've been with or how many people you've been with, God, the author and the creator of it all, he can fix it like that. Now, not to say you don't have consequences and things that come into it, but I'm telling you guys right now, so many, and I, I, it would be bold to ask for a show of hands. I might, though, if you're comfortable with it, to say, hey, I was those things, but God redeemed it, and I married a man, or you know, I married this woman, and I experienced it just as pure and just as God intended. How many of you guys are bold enough to maybe say, like, I was there, but I was also redeemed? That's beautiful. It's a beautiful picture. I want you guys to know that that 1 Corinthians 6, 11, that's what you were, but God can put you back together. Praise God for the examples like the woman at the well and the adulterous woman, you know, where he writes the line. So praise God for those things where he goes, forgiven, you're forgiven, now go on and leave your life of sin. Hmm. Culture does not get the final say. Nope, not at all. And that's a beautiful thing. All sexual, man, I'll tell you, we'll leave you guys with this, you know. All sexual pleasure has to be bought with the price of pain. The greatest things in life are usually purchased with pain. Think about that. All sexual pleasure must be bought at the price with pain. With true pleasure, the price is paid before you enjoy it. For false pleasure, the price is paid after you enjoy it. If you say no from the beginning, it costs you a lot. It's tough to say no. It costs you so much to withhold yourself from that sexual sin at the beginning. And then at the end, you get to enjoy something so marvelous, so majestic, so incredible. And that is the true legitimate pleasures of God that he wants to bless you with. So let's fight culture. Let's make sure that we stand for what we know our Father in Heaven would want for us when it comes to sex. And let's make sure that we show the world something different that they can follow as well. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this afternoon, for the opportunity to be able to share your words and to share your, your heart, uh, to help people to know that there can be victory in the toughest of situations and the oldest of sins. Um, and God, if we embrace that authentic life with you to where we get to know you and that we allow you to live within our minds and in our hearts, that you can help us have victory over this issue. And, Father, you can bless us with an opportunity to enjoy it within the confines of your ways. Thank you for your son. We pray this in his amazing name. Amen.